This is Grow With The Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of Bro Brainstorm. We've made every mistake in the book so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. All right, so on today's episode, we're going to be discussing how, how to set goals and forecast. So we're really excited about this. This has been probably one of our biggest reasons for success, not only as a corporate location, but also for our franchise locations. This is something we've gotten really good at and uh, down, have it down to a, a science as well as an art. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Ken, why don't you start it off? What does it mean to set goals? Well, it means, you know, that you, there's, there's certain things that you want to achieve and uh, you write those things down in a plan. Uh, typically, uh, when do we do that? We, we typically do it um, in November and December uh, is when we do our, our forecasting, our, our goal setting. Um, and, and goals also not just have to do with just revenue goals. They have to do with growth goals, strategic goals, maybe organizational chart goals, new hires, uh, positions that we may forecast that we're going to need that we don't even have right now. Um, so it, it goes down, you know, quite a, you know, there's quite a bit that goes into setting goals. And then typically we want to have those, um, you know, things in place uh, for uh, the following year. So for yeah. example, we'll start setting goals as a team here at New York corporate or at our franchise locations in November, December, and have those all done and uh, set before the new year starts. Yeah, so you said something really important, right? Basically the first thing you said is you, you wanna achieve something and you write it down. Um, the biggest thing about any type of goal, whether it's losing weight or a business plan, is you have to write it down. If you say, I wanna lose weight someday, or I wanna have a multi-million dollar company someday, whatever it is, that's just a wish and it, 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 you have like a 5% chance of it happening if you don't write it down. You have like an 85% chance, I know that math doesn't line up, but when you write down a goal, you have like an 85% chance of achieving it. And then if you share it with somebody else, it even increases those chances. So setting a goal, the thing that we learned, the first time we ever set a forecast or a financial goal for our company, um, the exercise our coach told us to do was to picture where you want to be one year from now. So let's just say it's January 1st and you start the exercise. It's now December 31st. It's the end of 2020. And this is what we achieved. So when you do that, that really puts it into perspective because you're thinking a year from now, well, if we did a million dollars this year, maybe we could do 1.2 million this year. So you say, well, by the end of the year, we'll do 1.2 million. Okay. What other goals? Oh, and we're going to have the best culture around. Not every goal is a numbers goal. So that's how, what the exercise I would challenge everybody listening to do is do exactly that. Wherever, whatever today is that you're listening to this podcast, think one year from now, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be personally? Where do we want to be financially? Where do we want our business to be, our team to be, our health to be? That's the best way to start. And, you know, like Ken said, we start planning for the next year pretty much 
September, the talk starts, it gets real serious in October, November, and we try, we don't always succeed. We normally have it surrounded by January 1st, but there's a few years that we go into the first or second, sometimes even third week of January before we have our plan 100% nailed down um, that we're going to implement. Um, so any thoughts on that? I, I, wanna, I wanna talk next about what items we actually forecast for. Yeah, I, and there's some resources out there too that um, can aid. You know, sometimes people have a hard time. Well, I, I know, I know with, you know, I always hear that writing it down is always important, but how do I do that? How do I organize that? Um, maybe it's an organizational chart goal. Well, there's templates online that you can start, you know, drawing out an organizational chart. Uh, there's there's uh, SWOT analysis that's out there, strengths, weakness, opportunities, threats that you can do. And even if you don't have a big company or team that's filling out a bunch of those types of things or utilizing those resources, you can start doing it yourself. And uh, so there's lots of resources out there online that can aid in helping you to set the goals and hold yourself to it and uh, in an organized way. Great. And that's it. You come up with the goal and then you've got to work backwards. So let's just take weight loss. Let's just say you want to lose 20 pounds in one year. Then you just look at it. Well, there's 12 months in a year. And that's basically if I can lose about two pounds a month, I'll have my goal by the end of the year. So it sounds way, 20, losing 20 pounds sounds like a lot to some people. But when you say I just got to lose two pounds a month or not even two pounds a month, okay. Well, what do I have to do to do that? Well, you know, maybe I'll do a little bit of exercise and a little bit of dieting. And you'd probably hit that goal. It, it would be pretty achievable um, for most people that, that, that feel like they're overweight. It's the same thing in business. The same exact thing. And, and Ken hit on that. When you set the goal, and let's say it's a big goal, and you're like, let's just say you barely hit a million dollars this year, and it was really tough. And you want to do 1.2 million next year, you just have to work it backwards. Okay, well, what worked well this year? What didn't work? How many more people would I need? Would I need another salesperson to sell that much gutter? Can we do it with one? It, it's literally conversational. As soon as you put the goal down, now it's how are you going to achieve it? And if you're in a seasonal business like, like uh, us, you don't take 1.2 million and divide it by 12 and say it's 100,000 a month. It's just too seasonal to do that. You're going to have to hit it in the months that, you know, are the biggest production months. You have to get more. And when it's snowing or wherever you, your seasonality is, you're going to have to adjust for that. So that's really the kind of the, 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 the big, broad pullback picture for forecasting. Think of a year, think of where you want to be, and now you work it backwards into a written plan. All right, so people are wondering, well, what do we measure? You know, and I just said revenue is a great start point. So everything from, you know, you've got your cost of goods, you know, in the, in the trades, it's what it takes to get the gutters on the building. So you've got your material, you've got your labor, you've got your subs, you've got your equipment um, and your, uh, you know, labor, if I didn't say that already, workman's comp, all that. And then you've got basically everything else after that, that you can forecast, you know how much your rent is or your building. So we look at all of those, that's how we're going to start out our forecast is look at every single item and then we put it in and we basically can predict, all right, well, 
if labor is 18% and materials 22% and marketing is five or 10%, we should be left over with X amount. And that's basically how we forecast. And that's basically how it becomes our goal, right? Ken, anything there? Yeah, uh, that's true. And then there's a lot of like, uh, make maybe mini goals that uh, go along with that as well to help you. You know, when you reforecast it within a year and you work your way backwards, there's going to be things that are going to eventually get you to that goal. Uh, and there might be people on your team. It might just be yourself, but there'll be things that you can put into there that'll also work into your daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly routine that eventually is going to get you to the ultimate goal, which could be that 1.2 million uh, in, in, in gross revenue for the year. Um, but there's all these other little things that you can start thinking of and diving deeper into that are going to help you achieve that big goal uh, that are going to happen on a more regular basis as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's perfect. So back to the losing 20 pounds. So if you need to start exercising, you know, that's part of it. You might not know what the right routine is. So then you seek help and you're like, all right, I need to lose two pounds a month or five pounds, whatever you want to do. And then you go and then someone gives you a plan, right? And now that's your, I'm going to the gym three days a week. And this is what I do. I do cardio this day. I do some light weights this day. So now you kind of scale it back to get your goal. And um, let's pick on just, you know, one category. Let's, let's, let's talk about sales, you know? So if, if you're going to do 1.2 million, you might need to sell 1.3 or 4 million. So then what you do is you start bringing that back. You know, how much of our budget needs to go to marketing? How much did we pay per lead last year? Was it $50 per estimate or lead? And then you all of a sudden have how many estimates do you need for the month to hit your goal? Because, and again, if I, I, we might be getting a little bit in the weeds here and a little bit dialed down, but it's, you take the big goal and now you got to chop it down into a monthly so let's say the sales goal for the month is $100,000 and you have two reps, that means each of them should sell 50. And if their average sales $1,000, then they're going to have to look at $100,000 worth of work to hit the goal. So it just keeps going backwards. And now if there's 24 selling days in a month, they have a goal of $1,000 a day. Excuse my math if it's not quite right, but you take the yearly goal, you bring it to the monthly goal, then you bring it to the weekly and daily. And once you have that, every day somebody knows how to win. So a salesperson that has to sell $1,000 a day, um, or call it 5,000, whatever it is for your business, now they know they wake up and by the time they park that car in their house at the end of the day, they know what winning looks like. And that's something that we say all the time, we get made fun of, that's what winning looks like. Um, that's what winning looks like is knowing your goal on a daily basis. And the reason why we say that is because it's, that's, that's what they do. And if anybody who's played sports is, you know, any coach out there is going to have a playbook and they're going to have, you know, they're going to put certain people in certain positions that are going to help that play to manifest itself into a touchdown and have success. So, you know, there, and there's a lot of details that go into that. Um, but so, but, but those details is what gets you eventually to the end of, of, you know, to win the, the world series or the super bowl. 
you know, and how, how well you pay attention to those and how well, you know, do all the little things, you know, if you, and, and that's really what gets into the, probably the next part of it, which is, we'll talk about later is, you know, how do you have, how do you have enough activity to actually reach those goals? Oh yeah. And I, I think every, let's, let's, let's choose like football uh, before the season, they're drafting, they're putting to get the master plan together to make it to the Super Bowl. That, that's what every coach is doing is what players do I need on my team? How much money do we need to attract these people? What are we going to do? What kind of practices? What kind of coaching? Who am I going to get so that I can get this team of guys to get on the field and win games? So they put together the master plan for the season. They know how many games they got to win in order to get to the playoffs and all this other stuff. Um, and, and if you're not treating your business that way, you're, you know, I believe that you'll never see the full potential of what your business can be. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make money. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. But when you put this kind of planning into your business, it can be way bigger and way more successful than if you didn't think about it and you just got up and went to work every day. And in our business, spring training is like what we just talked about. It's getting that uh, goals and all those things set in place in that business plan for the following year in place before that year starts. You know, these guys, professional athletes, do they really need to go to spring training? They already know how to hit the ball. They already know how to do that. No, but they have to, you know, get that, uh, you know, get, they have to get sharp and they have to get in shape and they have to get ready uh, for the new, new year. Um, yeah. And that's it. And that's kind of like how I look at our business too. It's, you know, that's what winter's for. Winter is for sharpening the ax. It's, and that's the planning. That's the planning that goes into it. So, you know, the more planning and preparation that you have uh, and, and the more concrete of a plan that you have, and certainly there's definitely exceptions to the rule and flex, flexibility within those plans. Mm -hmm. uh, things happen uh, like pandemics <laughs> or recessions and, and all kinds of, you know, government shutdowns and all kinds of things that affect all different types of businesses and industries. But, you know, how much better are we going to be prepared if we have a good solid foundation and plan and, you know, and that's it, you know, um, you know, that's what's going to get you, um, you know, certainly professional athletes are going into spring training and training how much more of a training program do I need to have, you know, maybe I need to set some goals around that. Uh, you know, maybe my training wasn't as good as it needed to be, or I, I have a lot of turnover in my, my workforce or in my sales force or whatever it is in my company that's kind of dragging a little bit. Setting goals around those things is uh, going to only help you to get uh, the results that you want. It's true. So let's talk a little bit about forecasting. I remember uh, a couple years ago, one of our first franchisees, we were having our monthly meeting. It, it could have just been a phone call. I don't remember at this point. But um, Jesse Olang said, oh, I just wish we had a crystal ball to kind of see what was going to happen. And I said, well, we actually do. I know it's probably a bad metaphor, but I was like, you know, when we forecast, that's our crystal ball. That's us looking into the past. How did we do? How much did we spend on marketing? How much were we getting leads for? What were our guys able to produce per day, per hour, per week? And we take what we know, then we take where we want to go, and we just fill in the blanks. So when we're forecasting and we're putting revenue on the board, we're putting salespeople, we're putting truck purchases, we're putting what home shows or fairs we're gonna do, what networking groups are we gonna join? We're literally, for lack of a better word, we're creating 
that ball that we look into and we, we know what to do. So our forecast is basically our playbook for the whole year. So we do have that foresight into the future that we, if we can just follow the steps that we've laid, and like Ken said, you, you don't know what curveballs you're going to get. Uh, no coach would ever think that they're going to put together this team and not one person's going to get hurt or not one game is going to go awry or, or the plays aren't going to work or they're going to have some, whether it's personnel issues, some weather issues, things are going to happen. But any good coach. Are the, are the other teams going to deflate the ball so that they can yeah. manage? Yeah, deflate, you know, there's all sorts of things, but that's our role as owners. That's your role uh, as a head of a department is you have to see further into the future so that you can say, you know what? I might lose a couple team leaders this year. I could lose the head of my marketing department. What would I do if I did? And there are points where your business is vulnerable when you're growing, um, but there becomes a point where you, you can have the foresight and the forecasting to kind of account for the things that do happen that they're not a surprise. It's not a surprise when a truck breaks down. Uh, they're gonna break down. It's not a surprise when your lead guy quits, they're gonna quit. It's not a surprise when your marketing isn't doing what it used to and you have to pivot. So these are all things that we believe um, we should be ready for and have a plan for ahead of time. Yeah, and having systems in place to combat those things are all part of business planning. You know, what systems that I need to put in place this year that I didn't have last year that uh, really hurt our business? Um, what were some of the pain points that I had last year that I don't want to deal with or have this year? Uh, those are good things. Those are, that's all feedback. Any, any feedback that you have. And then also, you know, Ryan said, the more, the more data that you have and the more history you have behind you, the more that uh, when you look into that reforecasting or that crystal ball of the future, you can really uh, set yourself up for less risk. Because uh, the more data that you have, the more that you can forecast very accurately uh, and set goals that are very attainable, but also that are going to stretch you a little bit too. Um, you know, we're definitely not the type of guys that want to set goals that are always so easy to hit. Uh, we want to hit goals though, based on data, based on metrics, based on what we know our, our talent is that is on our team. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's reasonable. Um, and, and be able to stretch it maybe just a little bit. So for instance, if your goal is 2.8 for the year, um, yeah, we're gonna go for 2.8, but in my mind, the rest of the team as well, what are they thinking? They're thinking 3 million. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and that's, and that's, really, that's really important. What I've noticed that no matter what uh, field budget we set, sales budget we set, marketing, the head of those departments always wanna beat it. It's never just about hitting the goal. And, uh, and a lot of times people will say, they'll set goals too high. And there's a fine line between us being as coaches and mentors and having franchisees that we help do this stuff. It's like, yeah, that would be a great goal, $3 million this year, but you've, you, know, you did 750 the year before. Um, let, let's talk about something else. But I, I like starting a goal with a non-negotiable. So me personally, I don't think any budget for a trades industry, well, at least a niche trades, should have less than a 10% net profit. So if we start with a 10% net profit as our 
the thing that we build the budget off of that, you know, if we do a million dollars that there's at least a hundred thousand dollars left over at the end of the year, we start there. And then how do we put the plans in place to protect that when we're doing less than that or trying to, or we're going to have a loss and all that. I just think it's a, it's a poor way to start. And then we put, like Ken said, it's gotta be attainable. It's gotta be within reach, but a slight stretch, you know, there's these, you know, it could be cheesy aim for the moon and you might land in the stars, but there's real, there's truth to that. But we've also noticed that if you aim a little too high, well, even when you're doing awesome and you're profitable, but you miss your goal by five or 10 grand, it still feels like it feels bad. You know, if your goal was like 300 grand for the month and you never did that before and you come in at 292, the team feels defeated. So there is a, there is some sort of a, um, a mentality and a morale that you have to kind of control with the way you set your goal. So it is an art, it is a science. So we recommend definitely putting goals in your, in, in front of you that are achievable, but not so achievable that you're just going to crush it every time that it's, it's a stretch. It comes down to the last week of the month to make sure that you really hit it. If your team is stretching and, and scrambling to hit that goal at the end of a month, then I think you've set your goal pretty nice. Yeah. And that's a, there's a good example of that happening right now in uh, our New York location where we have four sales reps and you know, you could tell at the end of the month, it's like, okay, guys, we have $30,000 more left to go. And we only have three or four days left to do that. You know, that's, you know, and I'm just throwing out numbers there, but that's, you know, maybe a scenario that I've seen happen. Um, maybe the numbers are not quite accurate, but you know, you can tell that the goals are set right because it's, you could tell that it's tough. They're scrambling to get it done. The activity, which is good though, the behaviors of what you want to see too that go along with these goals is that you want to set it at a point where you see that their activity level is being stretched. They're stretching to get their activity level to a point where they're being pushed over what is normal. Um, yeah. And I think that that's healthy and good. And that's something that you want in part of your culture is that activity uh, levels need to be high. Behaviors need to be right in order to attain those goals and to, and to get people to push because it's always better when you attain a goal and you know that you've worked your ass off for it. There's a feeling that goes along with that accomplishment. Whereas, oh yeah, we hit our goal again. You know, it's, it's super easy or yeah. kind of what they're doing to a lot of the kids these days. Everybody's a winner now. You know, everybody gets a medal or a trophy, you know, uh, that's not the case in the real world. And I think when people hit real world goals and are able to achieve that, especially as a team in your company, then you know that the goal has been set perfectly. You know that, you know, they had to work their ass off and they have something that they can be a proud of. Um, so I really think oh, that's it's great. important to, for, for overall, um, you know, health of the culture of a company as well. Yeah. And one thing that I want to make sure that is clear is a lot of times you're setting your goal. If you have a small company, it might just be you writing this down, or you might be meeting with one or two uh, key people in your company. But as soon as you have the goal, um, it's important to share it with your team. It's important to include them in making the goal. Uh, you know, when we first started setting goals, Ken and I would do it in a closed room with our coach, and then we'd go and present it to our team. And it was good, but we realized we didn't have their buy-in. It's different when you're sitting there and you're doing this with your team and your production guy goes, I don't see why we couldn't have 20 guys this year. And meanwhile, 
you were thinking 17, maybe 18 in the field, and they're saying 20, and you're like, holy crap, awesome. So when they're part of it, that's great, um, but it's also important, once you have it, what tools are you gonna give your team so that they can monitor it? it you know, nobody wants to work all month, not know any of the goals, not know what the, 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 uh, the metrics are, and then be told that they hit it or missed it. So we have a lot of tools we give our, our crews. They have you know, these calculators that they're able to daily monitor you know, how much revenue they did, how much revenue per hour they did, uh, all of that to make sure that we're on track. You know, by every day we know if we're getting closer or further away from our goal in marketing, in sales, in the field. So it's important that the people on your team, every day they know what winning is. And for a sales team, let's just say they need to do five estimates a day in order to be on track for their goal. But let's just say there's a little bit of a slump. Let's say there's been a drought and it didn't really rain much. So you haven't gotten as many leads and they've only got three estimates on. Well, a good salesperson is going to say, well, how am I going to get two more today? I got three from the company. You know what? I'm going to get a referral from this person and I'm going to go knock on some doors and I'm going to go dig deep into our uh, client database and maybe call someone who got a cleaning last year and see if I can get them to do a garden. That's it. It's just like Ken said, it's activity and behaviors. Once you have a goal, it is your job as the owner. It's your job as the, the manager. It's your job as the installer, the, the, whatever you are in the company, you do everything that you can to hit the goal. That's going to make the difference for the company. All right. So I want to talk about this a bit and I really don't want to talk about this, but it, it, it is a real thing and it's called reforecasting. All right. It's when you're missing your goals that you kind of say, all right, well, you know, we were shooting for 1.2 or 10 million or whatever you guys shoot for out there and we're just not going to hit it. It's just not happening. So we need to reforecast um, the goal. So the reason I, well, let's just get into what happens if you're not meeting your goals. You know, some people just aren't that committed to the goals. And I've realized even in our franchise, there's been a few years where we saw more potential for them than they saw. We saw them getting up to three or four crews where maybe in their own mind, they're like, well, if I could add one, I'd be happy. And they didn't necessarily share that with us. So we almost had two different ideas of what success was. And then you're three, four, five months in, and they're not even close to the original goal, which is a self-defeating thing because, you know, I remember, and I'll give a quick story. When I worked at Applebee's, um, we had this guy, Nasser. He was unbelievable. He would win every contest. Like if there was a drink contest, an upsell contest, this guy just knew how to work the system and the game and fill up his tables and upgrade. And he would always make more tips than everybody. And if they had a drink contest, he would win it. And what I realized that um, as soon as they rolled out the contest, everybody was all in, right? So everyone's trying to do it. But by the end of the first night, he would be so far ahead. Everyone else gave up even though the contest was a week or two long. And I feel like sometimes if our goals aren't set correctly, um, we don't even look at them. We're like, oh, I'm never gonna hit that. And it's just, it's the worst thing that you could possibly do. So backtracking a little bit, make sure your forecast is something that you believe in, that your team believes in, and everybody is committed to. If that's the case, reforecasting should rarely ever happen, but we're going to even enter your vocabulary. No, it's failure. I, I, honestly, yeah. like as much as, um, 
you know, people want to hear it's okay. And you know what? It happens to everybody. It's failure. If you're reforecasting, you failed somewhere. And Ken and I will go into a few circumstances where reforecasting is um, something that you will have to do or the scenarios that we think it is okay. But here's kind of the indications when we think somebody needs to reforecast. We've got about, we've got a two month rule. Everyone's going to miss a goal once, right? You're going to miss a goal. Things happen, whether you name it, I don't care, whatever your industry stuff happens. There could be, you, you might not be able to get product for a month because there's a shortage. There's things that happen. But what we've noticed is one things that are out of your control, you know, and that's what I would define as uh, when, when, when it's okay to reforecast, it just, it's, it's typically something that is not within your control that happens in your industry, like a material shortage that is out of my control. I can't go and paint the gutter coil. I can't go and make the leader. I can't do it. And if it's not there, then, I, you know, what's in my control is that I can figure out some other way to create that revenue uh, and, and shift. Uh, that's not what we're talking about though today. Um, so, you know, in, in sticking with reforecasting, you know, there are some things. Uh, there's certainly businesses that didn't plan for a pandemic this year that were seriously hurt by it. Nobody planned for a pandemic. But certainly, yeah, nobody planned for it. But some of us did well uh, and some other businesses didn't uh, and that were impacted with it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's times to do it. But when it's within our control and we missed the goal and there was nothing outside of, out of our, then that's our fault. And we have nobody to blame but ourselves for not yeah. hitting that goal. And it's not only ourselves because as leaders in our business, we're responsible for that goal. And if we don't hit that goal, then we either have some personnel issues or people's behaviors, uh, people who are in the wrong positions, uh, people who are just not driven, and there's so many things that you can go down, a checklist of things uh, for reasons of not, but when it's within your power, it's just a matter of the behaviors and the level of activity is not where it needs to be if you missed the goal and, it, and there was no outside forces, if you will, uh, that were beyond your control. When it's in your control, there's no excuse uh, for not hitting your goals. Yeah, and I don't wanna spend a lot of time here, but we need to almost define what's, what's out of control, um, people can give up really easy. You know, they can say, oh, it rained one day this week, there's no way I can hit it. Where other people will refuse. They'll say, I don't care, it rained two days this week and we're gonna work Saturday. The guys are committed to doing an extra, you know, trying to work a little bit later nights this week because we refuse to miss the goal. Or uh, when we can get ahead, we've gotten ahead. A lot of the time, the people that continually hit their goals, at least within our franchise system, are the ones that when there's an opportunity to get ahead, they get ahead and they create a buffer. And they, they have months where they're thousands and thousands of dollars ahead of goal. And then when the crap happens, you know, guys get sick or a truck goes down or there's rain for four days. Uh, there's things that happen that you might miss that week or that two weeks or that month, but you're still on track for the year. So it's all about the behaviors. So just like weight loss, like I, I think this is a great example. Let's just say every month you're losing two pounds and then all of a sudden you didn't lose anything. You're like, oh crap, that stinks. Well, it's a blip. I've been doing good for four or five months. But then let's say the next month you gain two pounds. So one miss is a blip. Two misses is almost starting to develop a pattern. So we have this two month rule. If we miss any metric two months in a row, it's an immediate like, 
Everyone get together. We missed our sales goal two months in a row, or we missed our this or that. And now we identify the problem. It, you know, we always talk about what, what could it have been and that, and we have, there's always 50 reasons to miss any type of goal. But once you've missed something for two months, it's now about drastic change. What are we not doing correctly? Are we not recruiting enough? Are we not uh, spending enough in AdWords to get the leads? Are people just not buying? Do we need better sales training? Do we need to learn how to close more on the spot? There's literally a hundred different reasons why you might miss it and a hundred different ways how you can combat it. Yeah, it's a matter of doing yeah. something drastic if you miss something two months in a row. It's not even two months in a row. It could be even, that's, that's like a short-term miss. It could be more of a long-term miss. Maybe you're uh, at, a, at a point in your business where, man, I just can't seem to get it past 500,000 yeah. uh, or, or a million uh, or 3 million. And you keep hitting a plateau in your business. And you know there's, there's some decisions that have to be made there. Um, so it, it could be that as well. Um, but you know, one thing we know in our business is that we know the opportunities that are out there. We know the work is out there. Um, you know, what, what is it, what is, what is it that I see, foresee that, what is it that I want? How do I picture my business? You know, do I want, you know, a multi-million dollar business? What does that look like? Or do I want to just, uh, am I happy with this right here? Um, so there's a lot of different questions you have to ask too of, you know, what it is that you want and what it is that you picture. Yeah. And we, and so the two month rule is kind of where we really, um, we're always digging in, but that's where you really make some drastic um, uh, changes. And if you miss for a third, uh, that's when typically we will ask or, or help somebody reforecast. And you have to be so far off your goal. If you miss a revenue goal of a hundred grand by 2000 and you're 6,000 off after three months, we're not talking about, you know, pennies. We're talking about major misses that, that when you look at the rest of the year and you think there's no way, the way this is going, there's no way we could catch up. That's probably the only time that we will reforecast. And it's not a like, oh, everybody, it's okay. Everybody misses goals. It's a failure. It doesn't mean you're going out of business, but somebody failed to do the steps necessary to protect the business um, from reforecasting. And it's a bummer. And when you know you have that right team, they're going to do uh, what our team did. Our sales team in New York, we reforecasted when we were shut down. And, uh, Everyone, every franchise. Uh, April and March, reforecasted. Um, but you know what's cool is when you know you have the right team in place is when they tell you and say, listen, guys, we are past the goal, way past the goal that we reforecasted for. But not only that, we're actually passing, going to pass the goal of what we originally had before the pandemic happened. So when you have people that are striving for that and you do forecast because of unforeseen occurrences that happen, like we had this year, and then they strive, you know, to hit the reforecasted goal, but just beat it and then actually hit the original goal that we set, uh, that's when you know that you have, uh, you know, you have the right culture and the right team. Um, yeah. So we look at reforecasting as a last resort. Um, and it's all about the behaviors to get there. But I'll just say that the number one thing that we see most businesses have to reforecast for is because they didn't have enough uh, people. And don't buy into the lie that you just can't find good help. It, it's, they're out there. And um, 
you know, it's probably for a different podcast if we haven't already covered it already. It's a, it's a, it's the number one problem in most people's businesses, yet it's the area that they spend the least amount of time and the least amount of money on. People wait till they need somebody to put out an ad. You know, if you're waiting till you need someone to put out an ad, you're three months behind. You need to always be interviewing. And we used to say always be recruiting, but recruiting for most people is like running an ad on Indeed and then saving applications that you like. And then miraculously, if you need somebody or you lose somebody, you think those people are going to be waiting for your phone call. Um, and, and then they're not there. And then you don't have the feet on the street. So that's the number one reason that we see service-based industries, even some of our own franchises, even in New York. I mean, we don't have a perfect location. I would even, I would even go deeper than that. I would say that's the number one reason why people are not growing their businesses in service, especially right now is because they make up excuses. That's the number one reason. They yeah, make up our first podcast, excuse They make up excuses of why they can't hit their goal or why they can't hire somebody uh, or why they can't uh, expand their business or I tried doing that. It all comes down to excuses and there really is no excuse. There's no excuse. There's so much work out there. I don't care what, what I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care if you're an electrician. I don't care if you're a roofer. There is so much work out there. There's so much building happening right now. And we're seeing that right now. Our economy right now is in the same place it was in 2003, 2004. We're seeing history repeat itself. The stock market boomed. And then you had the construction boom of 2004 to 2007. And then 2007 and a half, that's when it all went downhill again. It's just happening again. We're, ha we're seeing it happening again. All these big service, uh, Home Depot is up by like 30, 40%. And all these companies, everybody is at home now. And they're all figuring out how to work from home, a lot of these companies and businesses. And people, they're, they're, they're coming, becoming the old weekend warriors back. <laughs> they're not even weekend warriors. They're doing it every day. They're, they're gardening, they're landscaping, they're, they're putting new roofs on their house. They're, they're buying new houses. They're buying upstate houses. You know, the economy is ripe for service businesses to grow. And if you're not taking advantage of that and setting goals around that, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Uh, and there's people out there. It's just a matter of, like Ryan said, we have to raise our activity level to a level that is going to be able to combat those uh, failures that other companies are having that are growing. It's yep. who is hungry enough to go out there and interview and, and full-time. I mean, you know, we hire people full-time to install gutters. We hire people full-time to do whatever it is to produce the products and services that we bring to the market. We hire sales rep to sell those products and services. We hire marketing and put marketing into dollars. What about setting goals around, you know, raising those activity levels to a point where, man, it, can't, it cannot not grow. I don't care. Pandemic, I don't care yeah. what it is. It's going to grow because I have a team that I'm putting together that has the activity level and behaviors to make these goals be achieved. Yeah. And when you don't have the people to, to do it, you know, you don't have the painters, you don't have the whatever, set a goal of four interviews a week. Okay. That means you got to look through applications. That means you got to be doing everything. And, and I would say practice. Um, most of us don't know how to interview for crap. So we get a good person in front of us. And if the only time you're interviewing is imagine you get that key employee and it's the only interview you've done in seven months, exactly. you know, you're not going to impress them. Nope. So but 
Raise your activity level. There it is again. Don't make excuses. Raise up your activity level. Become yeah. an expert at interviewing. You know, and if you can't do that, then hire somebody who is an expert in that. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's a future podcast. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit more. I know we're we're getting a little bit off topic today, but with the uh, with the forecasting, it's important that there, you have a, a double mindset. All right, so you set what's achievable this year. We set our budgets thinking that there may be a recession and it's an election year. And who knows, there could be a drought. So those are three things that have affected us in the past. And it didn't seem to matter who wins, you know, uh, Democrat, Republican. Anytime it's an election year, people seem to hold on to their wallets for some reason, see who wins, and then they kind of loosen up. Um, so knowing some of that, we said, okay, are we going to experience that? Are we due for a recession? Some of the indicators were there. So we set our budgets in such a way that we're ready for it, but not, not admitting defeat. We're not going backwards. We're like, okay, let's be hyper aware. But on the flip side of that same coin is when you set sort of a conservative budget because you're kind of bracing for something, you have to also let your business, you know, Ken puts it perfectly. Some of, some, some of your businesses are like wild stallions that you're holding back. It wants to go. You've got leads out, out your wazoo. You've got work booked for 10, 12, 15 weeks, and you're not adding crews. You're not doing, you're not letting your business be what it's trying to be. So I, we would always say that if your business wants to grow, be in the mindset, holy crap, we're going to add a truck. It's not in the budget. Um, but a great example of yeah. that too is we used to have a lull with the back to school lull is what I would call it now looking back because a lot of people changed their buying patterns for a little bit there. Instead of focusing on service things and things around their house, they're focusing on getting new clothes and retail stuff for their kids to go back to school. So we would see a little bit of a drop off. So what did we do? We just didn't throw our hands up in the air and say, well, that's just the way it is. No, it's not. The work is out there. It's just people's buying habits have changed. But if I raise my activity level to a point where I can get more leads in and I can get more estimates for my sales team, I can buffer that and be able to still hit my goal and raise it, raise up the bar of that goal for that time of the year. And you know what? When, now that we have that mentality and don't have the head trash around that, we're able to hit those goals you know, and, and we don't have that lull anymore. Uh, Actually, August has ended up becoming one of the biggest months of our of our year, if not the biggest, uh, when it used to be, like Ken just said. So we, we did an enormous amount of activity and pre-planning and a lot of stuff to to beat that and, and that, and that's what worked. So that's just forecasting. That's just looking at what the past is, how can we influence it? And there's certain things we can't influence. We can't, we can't make February the best month out of the year. It's just, it just never is going to be our best month, but we've curbed that more and more and more over the years in New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, that we have so much backlog. The strategy is how do we get so much backlog of work in December that if it is mild in the winter, we have tons of work till spring. And with the last two or three mild winters, that's exactly what happened. So there's a lot you can do when you think, you know, before you say, oh, well, nothing I can do, really search. Typically, there's something you could have done to make it not as bad as it was. Yeah, so that's it. You know, don't give up too early. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it just and giving up is not even part of our vocabulary at Brothers Gutters. It's never give up. Um, 
so it's, and that's it. The, the work is out there, especially now. There's so much work out there. And when I hear guys that are, have, you know, they, you know that they don't have goals because they're, they're booking out. Some guys are booking out two, three months in advance. So, you know, that lead time is, is killing that opportunity, the opportunities you're losing because of having such a lead time. Yeah. It might feel comfortable, but comfort, comfort, comfort can go away at any time, you know, now is, and that's it. You know, when you have goals, you can, you can scale, you can scale faster. You can have less of a lead time that it provides more opportunity, more income, more, you know, my sales team can make a lot more money. Uh, yeah. All of that stuff falls into place when you, uh, raise the bar of activity. Yep. So quick recap, set a goal, involve people in your company that, um, you know, can see into the future a little bit or have a um, major role in hitting the goal and then trickle it down to your team and give them tools to hit the goals daily. It's so much easier to hit a daily goal than a yearly goal. You know, it's hard to fathom doing a thousand estimates, but it's not hard to fathom doing four to five a day. So every goal that you have break down into something that's digestible for the people that have to do it yourself included. All right. And reforecasting, you know, the only way you can reforecast is to have a forecast in the first place. So start with a goal, um, then start with a forecast. How are you going to hit your goals on a monthly basis? Um, and reforecasting in my opinion is a four letter word. You know, it's something that we don't want to say and we don't want to do. Um, this pandemic was definitely a reason to do it. Um, you know, having a four month drought, uh, in 2016 was definitely, um, a, a case for reforecasting, but you know what? Hindsight, we had every excuse in the book in 2016 for some of the goals that were missed. And in hindsight, we should have hit it. Um, even with a drought and an election year, we had some bad, um, hires in our company at the time. There were some things that were going on that we could have pivoted and done a better job and we should have had a, a much better year and we let those excuses get us that year I, I believe that in hindsight you can yeah there's been many times where you know you have that happen and um you know it, and when you look back it always looks back and i always you know there just, we didn't put enough activity into it as a team to do what we needed to do to to still hit the goal um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Um, but then also too, you have to really self-reflect, uh, and, and, and look within and say, okay, you know, what did we, what do we do wrong? Who do I have that I need on my team or who needs to get invited to leave from the team? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, you know, your business goes through different, uh, phases of growth and you really need people, the right players on the field. You know, and, and keeping those stats, I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody out there has seen a baseball card, you know, what's on the back of a baseball card. It's the stats, the career stats year over year of that player, their ER pitchers, their ERA, their strikeouts, you know, for, for batters, it's their home runs, it's their RBIs. There's, you know, how many, you know, all those stats are on that, on that, you know, yeah. all we need to do is create a baseball card, basically for our business and then be able to give that to our salesperson and give that to our production crew leaders or head installers so that they can see the stats. 
because the stats is, is what winning looks like. And when you create that kind of a culture, there's no way you're not going to be able to hit your goals uh, because people want to win. That's right. Have you ever seen Moneyball? I mean, might, people might not like it that are true sports enthusiasts, but that, that is literally what we're doing. You're just looking at stats. How did this guy do last year? How much work could he do? How much revenue per hour? How did this guy sell last year? How, many, how much did we buy leads for? And you're just putting it all together to try and win. So, yes. so as a franchise, here's some of the things that we do. Um, that you guys can do. And, and we definitely give our business coaches that we've had since 2010 a lot of credit for helping us develop and build these tools um, to share. So basically, we start out the year building budgets with them, with our franchisees somewhere around October, November, December. We're, we're doing a lot of homework, meeting with teams, and then having a budget hopefully by the first week of January to roll out to our team. And then what we do is we have monthly meetings that we go over the goal versus actual. That's probably one of my favorite things to do. Goal, you know, $100,000, actual, 110. Woohoo! You know, we, like when you set a goal and you beat it, same thing with weight loss. You want to lose 10 pounds and it turns out you, lose, you lost 12, you're super happy because you're getting there towards your goal. It's really important to do that. And then we give them tools to monitor it daily. We have a field general. That's for monitoring how many people that you have out in the field. What's your goal? What's your actual? We have revenue per hour. Uh, how much are they doing revenue per hour? What's your goal versus actual? Um, and then there's even huddles. You know, each day, you, the, the, the crew that's going out, let's say they have a $3,000 job, they're going to put together a plan so that they can do that profitably. All right? So for the, for the sales team, we have sales trackers. They can see every metric from their close rate to their dollar sold to their average sale to how they're doing per marketing source. They might be killing it with ad, AdWords leads and tanking on HomeAdvisor leads. We can see all of that so that we can become better coaches and they have uh, better instruction. Weekly meetings, daily huddles, and a peer group. Monthly peer groups, everyone getting on. So there's a lot of resources that we have, and it's all based around helping people hit their goal. That's our goal is to help our people hit their goals. And that seems to really, really, really uh, be a good winning strategy. Yeah. And one of the most favorite time of the year for me around goals is when we have our brothers gutters conference, Oh yeah, all of our, all of our locations, all our franchisees and their key players all come in and we have a conference and we, one of the big parts of the conference is benchmarking and looking at everybody's numbers and being able to see, you know, what the best practices are. And, you know, it's, it creates a great, uh, not just culture of camaraderie and stuff too. And, but it, it, be, it enables us to, to have a platform to share with one another. Yeah. So creating something like that within your own organization is super important because oh. it really gets people focused on the data and and this is a saying that we always say too, is the numbers tell the story yeah. of, of, of what winning looks like or what losing looks like. And when you're held accountable at, at a level of accountability amongst peers that you have in business, um, you don't want to be the guy that's the loser, you no. know? especially when you're benchmarking. You wanna, you wanna have uh, success and you wanna be able to, um, you know, say that, you know, I'm winning and, yeah. and that's what really it's about. I mean, it's, it's about winning. Yeah. And we believe that if someone else can do it, so can we, 
And that's what's so great about the peer groups. When you see, we have a, a number of sales reps that sell over $100,000 a month. And we have a number of sales reps that don't. But what's really cool is the guys that haven't, or girls that haven't sold 100,000 in a month yet, they get to see all the rest that have. They get to ask questions. They get to go, oh my gosh, that is possible. I'm doing just as many estimates as them. Why, why are they able to sell more than me? That doesn't make sense. And they're able to raise their activity and raise the bar so that more people are winning. So if you learned anything from it, it's, it's you gotta know your numbers, but to know your numbers, you gotta have them to start. And start small, start with just some bigger goals, some bigger numbers. This is the goal for the week is $10,000 or $12,000. You don't have to have it all dialed in like we do, but you will over time. When you, We didn't start out knowing all these numbers. We looked at two big ones, you know, revenue and revenue per hour. It seemed if we can hit those two numbers that the rest of the budget would work out. Um, and then it got, I thought it was, oh, how much money do we have in our checking account? Oh, oh that's way before. This is like <laughs> in the beginning, yeah. I would say, hey, Ken, you know, there's like $30,000 in the checking account. We're like, okay, that's cool. We're, we're making yeah. it. And Maybe I could take some money out. Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, it was so bad. Uh, it's embarrassing. You know, most people wouldn't buy a franchise if they met 2004 Ken and Ryan. Um, we, we, <laughs> we didn't know what the heck we were doing. But we learned, and, uh, and it's been we a great journey. Our, we certainly have raised our activity level in the areas that we needed to to get to where we're at. And, and what's great that's, about that is, yeah, it took, it took us knuckleheads 20 years, you know, or 15, you know, whatever, 10 to 15 years to really dial this in. And then when we franchised, guys are seeing the success that we, it took us 15 years to see. They're seeing it in two to three years. So our learning curve has definitely helped shorten um, everybody else. And then even the early adapters to the franchise because of what they accomplished guys that are signing this year and last year are seen even faster than them. So, um, it's really, really cool. It's really great. I, I hope everybody got something added today. Um, again, if you have any questions or need help or, uh, with, with what you're trying to accomplish in your business, uh, I would like to join the brothers of just two gutters franchise. Yes. Give us a call. Definitely. We would love to, uh, Talk to you. We appreciate you. Any, any closing thoughts, Ken? Just keep on, uh, just keep on putting the effort into the activities that, that are going to get you there. It's really, that's it. It's just yep. prioritizing your plan, uh, prioritizing your time around your goals and then work the plan. And yep. as you work that plan on a regular, on a daily basis, and you know, you're not going to figure out everything in one shot. You take one thing, and get a plan in place. You make sure that happens. And then you just keep building off of that. Um, yep. Building off of that, get, you know, you, it's one brick at a time. It's, 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 uh, and then also hiring people that have already, that hiring people that are smarter than you in, in areas, you know, there's guys that we have in our sales team that can sell way better than I can. There's guys that install for us that can install way better than I can. They can cut hand cut miters way better than I can. They can do it in their sleep. Um, you know, there's guys in our marketing team that, you know, there's guys that are interviewing and recruiting. There's just, you know, and that's it. You know, the one closing thought now that I think about it just came to me. Many hands make the workload light. I like it. I like it. And my closing thought is you have to hundred percent believe that your goal is attainable and then get your team to buy in to um, believing that it's 100% attainable and committing 
to hitting that goal. Thanks for joining us and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.